Hello, and welcome to Safety Dads, where a million things can go wrong, and our podcast is one of them. Enjoy. Thank you for joining us at Safety Dads. With me is Mark Cooper. What's up, everybody? Steve Gray. Hey, everyone. And I'm Michael Payne. Now, at Safety Dads, we like to think that if you like beer, sharing stories, sports, and god-awful dad jokes, then you're going to be in a very good place. Welcome to Safety Dads. You're safe with us. And here we are for week four of the Safety Dads. Thank you again for joining us. We certainly do appreciate it. Welcome, everybody. Want to give a shout out to those of you who took the time to write in this week after our episode with uh, Safety Dads in the Raw and another conversation with Sam Payne from the Parkside Brewery. Today, we're going to cross another element off of our wish list. We've talked about beer. We talked about food. And uh, today, we're going to talk about safety. And with us to talk about safety, we have Mitch Brown. Mitch has been a helicopter pilot for the last 25 years, and primarily during that time, it's been aerial construction. And right now, he's actually working on a massive project up north in northern Ontario where he and his crew are bringing power to First Nations. The First Nations communities. Mitch, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, Glad it's all working out. Yeah, welcome, Mitch. And thank you, because you're also my neighbor, which is fantastic. (laughs) I know we've known each other for a while, and um, I really just don't know exactly what you do. So we've got you here because you do something which is extreme. It falls in line with the safety aspect of how we go about our business, which is not safe. So thank you. <laughs> so Mitch, 25 years as a helicopter pilot, that's uh, it's pretty exciting, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been a... a- a lot of ups and downs. It's been a crazy <laughs> ride for me. It's a safety dad joke yeah. right there. A safety dad joke, yeah. Uh, so 25 years, and you started this career when and where? Um, well, 1995. Had a brainy brainstorm one morning. Woke up. There, there was a bunch of forest fires. My uh, my dad brought it up that I uh, I was logging at the time, and my dad brought up that uh, I needed to go help these guys fighting fires uh, on the, all these logging roads that I'd built and uh, knew kind of on the back of my hand. and. Went up there, and the first thing I saw was all the helicopters flying around. And make a long, long story short, I uh, made a couple of inquiries to all the pilots, like happens to me on a regular basis. That all these young guys want to know what to get into and how to get into it. And basically, the end of that summer, I quit my job, sold everything I owned, and um, here I am. So, what was it? What was the job you were doing before? Uh, I was logging, uh, running feller bunchers, bulldozers, uh, float trucks, all sorts of heavy equipment. Um, I was into welding and stuff. Uh, so a job behind a desk has never really been your thing? Never been, well, I was just about to say never been behind a desk until now. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. As, as I age, I'm, I find more and more flying a desk than flying helicopters <laughs> here, unfortunately. But uh, Well, that's where experience gets you too, right? Yeah. Like get you off the tools, get you in the office. Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, well, that's cool. So, uh, so Mitch, you had the idea then. You're like, okay, I want to be a helicopter pilot. What's the next step? I uh, went home. We didn't have internet at the time, but um, started just looking around the, the local guys, um, local aviation. And, and at that time, there was a thousand helicopters in Canada. There was only 3,000 pilots in Canada. And, and how, uh, many, how many are there now? Like, what's, is it, Has it boomed? or tripled. There's like 3,000 helicopters in Canada. There's 40% less work. 
every man and his dog's a pilot. Oh, wow. And is that, is that just because of the like safety standards? Are they trying to limit uh, pilots hours or what's the reason for that? How, how is it? Or just so many companies competing for the work? Is that, it's, uh, it's just competition. It's it's out there. Uh, fires get busy. People start buying aircraft. Um, they think it's a great way to make money and they don't realize that there's, there's highs and lows. It's very, uh, opportunistic. Um, well, like we all witnessed here in, uh, in lovely Kelowna, that's how I ended up here is fighting the fires in 2003. Right. Right. Really? Um, So you're here for that. That We, We were here. I, I worked for a local company instead of going home because there there wasn't a lot of pilots um we had i had my wife come out and i was on 50 60 days away from home and and she drug our uh, newborn daughter out and pregnant with our son and, and that was from where sorry uh thunder bay Ontario. thunder bay okay and uh we ended up spending um the summer in penticton and the wife notified me that she had found a home that she really wanted to buy in uh, in our neighborhood yeah. And that if I would like to stay in Kelowna, I could with her or I could return to home where nobody was. So <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> she, and she liked it here, so here we are. Okay, so and that ex- that whole thing with the 2003 fires. I mean, how what was that experience like for you? Was that the first time like a major fire like that you had been a part of or had you done that before at that scale because it was pretty traumatic for us here in the Okanagan. What was it like for you flying being a part of that whole experience? Well, I think that was the biggest exposure to an interface fire anybody had ever had, um, where it, it, it took out two, what, 260 some odd homes. Uh, most of our stuff was wildfires, uh, being out in the middle of the bush and, you know, you lose the odd cabin here or there, or it runs through the oil patch. But, right. uh, no, it, it was, um, it's amazing having the opportunity to be a part of saving someone's home. Like it, it, it sure really, it really makes you feel good about what you do right um normally it's you know well there's more trees and, and everybody goes at it but uh um, now, sorry, Rich, when you like said that, an interface fire what does that mean exactly uh when it burns into a community so oh, wow. it, it it starts to change it's not just a wildfire anymore we're we're burning into a community houses were going up left right and center we're pulling water out of people's pools um, right just trying to expedite anything we could to to put out the next flame and um yeah, no, it was, it was an amazing experience. I, met it, I See, imagine it was pretty intense. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, and I'm kind of kind of laughing inside because one of the things we talked about getting ready for tonight is uh, you said fighting fires was boring. <laughs> well, <laughs> right, that was- more boring as in, uh, as in um, a lot of it sitting and waiting. Right. Um, this year uh, has been just horrible, not only with COVID, it ended a lot of people's... Um, livelihoods early with uh with heli skiing and everything and then it just went into this wet cold summer and er- everybody's sitting in hotels they're all poised and and waiting uh with all these cuts it's not like it was before where helicopters were hired on and they were preventative now we just we we react after the fact you know the fire's going now let's see who we can hire see who how we can help whereas before the, the the provinces would hire people and they would be ready and on standby and react right away and now it's uh, it's just different yeah so well i mean even the weather patterns like i mean for what it used to be before when we i don't know 15 20 years ago you wouldn't see the the forest fire activity that you see now now it seems i mean this year has the last couple of years hasn't been as bad but we went through that phase of just fires were seem to be popping up everywhere you know not just here but down you know washington and now obviously california is an absolute mess but do you think now has the government done anything to react to that a bit better? Are people busier, or is it just based on 
whatever they anticipate the fire activity to be? Well, it's uh, there's a lot of educated people out there that are that are watching all all the weather systems. These these people are you know it's their business, and um, they're they're doing the best that they can. But there, there's just there's there's so many more helicopters uh, in Canada nowadays that. So they have a bigger fleet, like you just massive, or, massive okay, fleet, so, massive fleet of helicopters. Right. Everybody's got one now, and everybody's looking for that piece of the pie. Well, the pie hasn't changed, and and some some years we have, uh, like twenty years ago, we would start in May. May long weekend was always the big one because everybody's out camping, and and that's when all the fires start. Right, and then it carries on and you know it, it just kind of followed you get a little bit in bc and then you'd you'd do the migration out to ontario as ontario warmed up and then come august september bc would be burning and and everybody made a great living and now there's just so many helicopters sitting everywhere um so do you so making that change from fire to is it just called lining like as far as uh, the, it's just power, power line construction is what i'm in now okay we we do the remote stuff and uh where where crane trucks and everything else can't go yeah and so your first exposure to that was was where when you got on with that with the first crew that did that well that's kind of funny it's it's right where i began my my very first job in helicopters was northern manitoba Okay, and Thompson we're, we're, is that like the Thompson uh, north area? of Thompson, Churchill, Manitoba, right okay. up on the on the Hudson's Bay, and uh, it seems like a lot of pilots do uh, runs. They're like cargo runs because I have a couple of buddies that are pirate or pirates, also pirates, <laughs> <Our> pirate buddies, <laughs> pilot pirates. We need to get that one. <laughs> I've been but, called that before, right? Right. <laughs> so got to be careful here. Um, but that was like that was a common um, common milk run that that pilots used to do up there so is that is that is that common for pilots in general that they would be in that area in manitoba to start it's, out it's it is for fixed wings so northern saskatchewan uh northern manitoba for sure and northern ontario is massive for just pilots getting their the the beginnings you know right. it's it's small it's remote communities there's float planes that that's how the that's how the north operates that's, there, that's there just your entry for planes. Yeah, you, you, you can't sorry i was just wondering if that's where or safety dad Steve got uh, got his start as a as a pilot. No, Steve Steve told me that it was basically he just got in through the boys club. He was hatched. He had no experience. He just was able to actually fly never right even away. knew how to fly. He just grabbed the plane. Just grabbed a plane and just tried it. <laughs> yeah. Just tried it one day. <laughs> I, we, we we have planes, so we and as soon as I mentioned that, he was just no, and it wasn't even walked out of the room. He was looking for a guy, and he was like, "No." You offered him a job, and he was like, "I'm out of here." Don't don't worry, Mitch. We'll give uh, we'll give Steve a chance to rebut. He'll he'll have an opportunity on the mic. He's already <laughs> salivating. So. so so now, when you're working up doing the aerial construction um, power lines, are you one of those cowboys who's doing that stuff hot, or you're setting up the infrastructure? infrastructure we're right right now the opportunities available in canada it's it's we're building infrastructure so we're uh very little repair and maintenance on our end of things there's there's a couple of companies in uh british columbia mainly um it's getting more and more popular so there there, there are companies that are doing live line work but uh, we're doing new construction for for where i work right now okay and what uh what was the coolest thing you saw coming into that industry because it's completely new to you, or had you researched it before before getting on to your first crew? Well, like I say, when 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 I first started flying twenty five years ago, that was my you know I got to work around um, 
lines. We weren't building them. We were we were maintaining. I was flying guys out. Um, this technology wasn't that widely used in Canada. And it's only been the last eight years, I guess now that uh, that I've been with uh, with my company now. New construction is we're we're working on our infrastructure in Canada. Canada's infrastructure is aging, and we need a lot of redundancy. And um, yeah, so that's now when, when you say the technology doesn't exist, what do you, what are you referring to? Because obviously helicopters existed. So what's the technology part? The helicopters existed, and and they used them in the mountainous areas, but they didn't realize uh, the biggest scary thing for helicopter is when they see $2,000 an hour to have an aircraft in the air. And that's not a big aircraft. The, the big Sikorsky's like a sky crane and stuff, those are upwards of $20,000 an hour. So that scares everybody off. Nobody, nobody would even contemplate I was, that. I was thinking of hiring one of those Sikorsky's to run a safety dad's banner, but not at 20,000 an hour. Oh, right? that's a little, yeah. Yeah, when, that's out of the budget. That's <laughs> 1,700 liters of fuel per hour. It, it's just, it's, it's yeah, mind-boggling. It's, but now they're, they're understanding the benefits of not tramping through a farmer's field. No, there's no cross-contamination of crops. And that at $2,000 an hour, we're quadrupling or, or, or more the work that's being done. Well, especially when you're talking about, you know, you mentioned mountainous areas a little while ago and, and, and where you're working up north where it's going to be obviously uh, quite quite rugged and inhospitable. I mean, the, to, to get trucks in there and to get crews in there and to house them and, and to do all of that, that's got to add up to more than 2,000 an hour. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they're, that's what they're understanding. So um, some of my peers back in the day, the 80s, uh, through the Pine Pass, um, even some of these lines, uh, like going up to Vernon uh, around home here, they were all done by my peers that, that worked for Alpine Helicopters back in the day. Um, all these guys have, have been around since the inception. So it, it's not new. It just wasn't as widely used as it is sure, now. Sure, sure. And then once that infrastructure got built, nothing really happened with it. It did it, it, was stagnant for a while and now they're going okay well we need to do these things for the whole reason we're here it's it's about safety it's about keeping crews doing what they do you know you you get a a a group of four guys well how many towers how many 125 140 150 foot towers can they climb in a day whereas i'm a pretty cool elevator (laughs) (laughs) so 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 they bring us uh, they bring us on board and and, then here we go you know we can we can do these these menial tasks and and remove a lot of the the physical activity and and now are you ever tempted you're sitting there and you're and you're 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 piloting the craft are you ever tempted to jump outside with the guys and sit in that little bucket and I've actually, uh, we, we did it, uh, when, when we first, we, we started one job, uh, about six years ago and I thought what a better way, cause as you approach a tower and you have somebody on the outside of your aircraft, it's just not, not normal. Right. It, it's a very small industry. There's guys that do it. Uh, there's people that do it, have been doing it much longer than us, but it's, it, it was a foreign, I don't know, it's just foreign to me to have somebody do it. So we, we did a a three-day training course on how to climb towers, how to do it safely, how to rescue guys out of towers. Because if I was going to be up in a tower and A, either have to participate in helping someone or myself, maybe having a heart attack um, from, but, you know, helicopters are, what what if he can't come pick me up for any reason for weather or anything else? Do you have a a co-pilot in the helicopter all the time or is it just, is it one person? 
No, uh, we found with the co-pilots, the screaming in the background while we're trying to work was very distracting. <laughs> so we, we kind of eliminated the whole co-pilot now, thing. Did you eliminate them by kind of giving them a push at the door? Or? No, they locked us. They wouldn't, they wouldn't let us do that. So we actually had to land and ask them to leave. <laughs> uh, Mitch, what's the most treacherous terrain you have encountered? And your piloting experience or even just under the business or what's typically the the danger zone? I don't know if it's more terrain than the elements. Uh, spring and fall are, are pretty hard. Uh, icing, um, weather, fog. Uh, you, you get guys out remote. Sometimes we're 60, 70 miles away from shelter Yeah, uh, on either end. And it's the weather that, that more plays the games. Um the mountains are obviously quite spectacular. Uh, lately, we've been working in the flatlands and, and up north uh, in central Canada and eastern Canada. BC's is my love. I love the mountains. I love mm. flying in them. They're they're so majestic. It's more of the more of the seasons. The freezing rain, the stuff that that's what makes you sleep overnight in the in the bush. And we don't like that. We're, yeah, we like our warm there, beds. There must be days though mm. where the weather. And you just can't, you just can't go to work. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We get weather days all the time. And, and this is the hardest time of year because uh, ultimately everybody wants to fly. We want, we want to go out and, and do our thing. And, uh, with, with freezing rain and stuff, it's, uh, we, I got a wife and a kid, yeah. a wife and wife and kids. And, and I, and I want to come I, home to them. I don't yeah. need to, I, I want to, I want to come home to them and, and it's not, it's, there's the safety dad in me. There you <laughs> go. Safety first. I, I want to go home to my wife and kids. That's it. When you're out on, on a job, and you mentioned maybe 60 or 70 miles away from shelter, so how does the job work? Are you based somewhere and you fly out, or, or do you land and camp somewhere in a cave? Like, how does it work? We, we do. So um, there, there's so much, so many pieces to the puzzle to build a power line. I had no idea. Um, I, I've been involved in, in little sections of it my whole career, but just the, the logistics to it is insane. So... Major camps every so many kilometers. You know, if we could use communities, we use hotels. Um, if there's no communities, we build our, our remote camps. You guys, you and your crew aren't building the camps, are you? Or no, no, yeah. no. So there's like when when we talk about me and my crew, the one job we're on now, we're probably close to two thousand men. The ones that are specific to us, we're probably sixty to seventy. So there's there's guys surveying, there's guys wow. removing trees, there's all the environmental aspect, the safety aspect, like uh, I, I, there's safety people everywhere ensuring that everything's in place to make sure everybody goes home at night. So depending on train and everything, you know, we would have a camp every hundred kilometers kind of thing. And then, but that's a hundred kilometers as the crow flies. Mm-hmm. It, it might be 200 kilometers of road to do 50 kilometers of that. Right. So everybody works into the middle. And, and that's one of our, one of our challenges with, with the work we're doing right now. We're, we're working off winter roads. We're waiting for, for the cold. We got to get the lakes frozen. We got to get some frost into the ground to get cranes stood up. There's a lot of pieces to this, but to a, to a puzzle like that. It it sounds amazing. I can't even imagine the mental gymnastics required to coordinate that. Is there a column for danger pay or is it all danger pay? It's, um, yeah, there's nothing that says danger pay. No, nothing. (laughs) We uh we mitigate risk. There's there is no danger in what okay. we danger is such a bad Can't word. Use that we word we mitigate the risk and we do it as safely as is we Is there possibly a risk can. mitigation column on your paycheck? No, no. no. 
<laughs> just tons of insurance. There's a, do you want to keep your do you want to keep the lights on in your house? <laughs> call them and, and right, right. That's it. that's an important <laughs> call. Them. All right. You know, there's so many questions because it's amazing what you do, and it's. Um, I would have to hazard a guess that you've probably never woken up and said, "I wish I did something else." Right? Like I couldn't. I couldn't imagine what else. You know, I, I couldn't. Yeah. I have no idea yeah, what I, I can I, do. I'm, I'm in my fifties. I think I want to be a helicopter pilot now. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's not the glamour. It's uh, there. There is no glamour in what we do. Uh, the reality. You, you start out. We sleep I, in tents. Yeah. The the community. Yeah, but if you that, if you get tired of your tent, you could just leave. Well, and I wouldn't. You know, the other guys <laughs> might not like it. I, I love the adventure. I get, I get to see Canada like yeah. nobody else yeah. sees it. When you, know, you were, because speaking of Canada, you, and and when when you and I first met, I, I believe you were working out Labrador, yeah, uh, Labrador, Newfoundland. To me, I mean, I know there's no mountains, but that's some of the most beautiful scenery in Canada. Um, so for you to see it, the we way we, we don't done, we don't get to go there. They don't build power lines where it's beautiful. Oh, they put the power yeah, line yeah. where nobody else wants to go. Yeah, so and, you you weren't putting up a power line in in the middle of because if we Street, do that, then yeah, no, no, yeah. mind you, I may or may not have checked out the power lines on george street but I, yeah, so you don't I, have uh, port days where you can just go off and hang out in the closest uh, cool city after a hard day of work well we do but they're weather days so unfortunately with newfoundland the only time like we went out to cape spear yeah and we're like yes but the reason we had the time to go to cape spear is because it was zero zero and fog so i saw the building oh. at cape spear <laughs> yeah you and just i saw the rock to. four feet in front of my <laughs> and, and I got you just to, had to kind uh, of take those videos or yeah. see it as as face value yeah, yeah. i got yeah. to watch the hockey game at the local pub that's about it didn't yeah. see much of the outdoors right exactly yeah. actually george street yeah, it's funny george street's uh it's 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 a good time <laughs> it is yeah yeah fun was had by all so yeah when you were a kid mitch like did you envision yourself doing this kind of stuff like what when you were a kid what were you dreaming of or what was going to yeah. be your your career yeah, question right? well uh no absolutely not i um like most kids i had no idea what i wanted to do when i grew up i got into welding out of school i uh, thought underwater welding would be a cool thing Okay. So I went and got my scuba license and I got my welding ticket and I worked in the local welding shop, ended up learning how to drive a truck. And then I went logging and operated heavy equipment. After that, it just kind of happened. I, I went firefighting, like I said earlier. And uh, yeah. Can we just back up a second? Are you saying that underwater welding is not a cool job? It would it would have been because that's job. on my list of things I wish I'd done. Well, we have a guest that is an underwater welder that'll be coming on later on. Well, because wow. see now, now I'm envious because that's so uh, that this will be great. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> guys I, could do like a, like a career swap or something. You know, try it for right. a week. Well, yeah, exactly. Here's the keys and, and give me your, yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I have a I have a buddy that started out that he grew up on the St. Lawrence River and and he started out as an underwater welder and now he's a helicopter pilot. I was like, what? <laughs> like really? He, so the he's career got path both exists. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's cool though. It's like when we had Cam on, right? And it's just that level of brain activity. I think you guys have, where's that desire? Like, I mean. Like you said, it's not glamorous what you're doing, but there's still a rush. There's still, you still have an excitement about what you're doing, right? And yes. there's some dangerous jobs or professions, right, that people just gravitate to. And maybe there's a maybe there's some crossover there. I mean, regardless, I mean, you know, you've listed two or three, even logging. I mean, the logging business is pretty dangerous as well. There's, you've probably seen some, or maybe you've seen some crazy stuff, you know. Absolutely. Right? Be, being on a roadway is yeah. way more dangerous than, than what we do. Yeah, working heavy machinery. I mean, yep. I can imagine that's. Well, it, it's just difficult to imagine when, you, when you're saying something could be more dangerous than what you do. Because, you know, one of the videos that we're going to post our Instagram for the listeners to, to, to actually visualize what it is that you do 
you know, you're, you're hovering stock still. There's no movement in the craft. There's a guy sitting on the edge playing with electricity. How far off the ground are you at that point? All depends on the line, but right. uh, you, at least 75 feet. Okay. Normally. Yeah. I just can't even imagine. I can't hold my car that still oh, if I'm cra- driving stick on a, on, a, on a hill. It's crazy. No, we, we have gimbal cameras. It's actually terrifying up there, and everything's moving everywhere, and we yeah. just use No, no, it's actually not that <laughs> bad. But. <laughs> See, if you can keep your sense of humor about a dangerous job, then, you know, yeah. maybe that's the reason there's no danger pay <laughs> do you ever, on your on do you ever <laughs> Do you ever get a guy, like, he's hanging on the bucket there doing his thing, and he's kind of pissing you off, so maybe the helicopter drops a bit? Well, you know what? I uh, I laugh a lot here, um, but when it comes to the aircraft, it's all it's all serious. It's all our, our guys are our guys are our, our, our crews, the guys that entrust their lives in in my to, hands. To you, yeah. yeah. But everybody, you know, you get your game face on. It's uh, when when we go to lift off, everybody's about uh, you know a, cu- a couple of beer after work and and having some fun when it's showtime it's showtime yeah i mean uh, i'm a a different fellow when it's uh well i think it's your checks and balances need to be put in place with a job like that like i can't imagine because i mean i imagine and i was going to ask you you know i'm sure a death can result very easily if somebody doesn't know what they're doing and do you in that industry do you see much injury or death right now or are the are the safety uh the safety precautions that are put in place are they doing a great job of keeping people safe right now they they are um, Transport Canada. Uh, we're held to the highest, uh, one of the highest standards in 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 the world. But it still happens. It, it's a reality of what we do. But we do our damnedest. If, if I thought that there was any even a remote chance of it happening, I, I wouldn't go do it. Right. Are um, you are you the one who makes the call, Sean and Weather Day? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The pilot in command, the, the the guys that I work with, there's zero second guessing. If they don't like it, if you get that bad feeling in your stomach, shut it down. Yeah. Tomorrow's another day. How often does that happen? Quite often. Yeah. Quite often. I, uh, it's not um, feeling something's off and yep. you, it's like, that's it. Done. The weather, and, and it depends on the job too. There's, there's certain things, you know, if you got to fly 80 miles and it's minus 25, who wants to be 40 miles away from a, a, a warm building when something happens? Right. You know, if it's a beautiful, sunny summer day, absolutely. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like you, what they used to do back in the day where it's just rub some dirt on it. No, just get out there. Yeah, Go rubs. do it, right? And, 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 and that's what it was. Day, right? Does that's anything bad ever happen on a beautiful, sunny summer day, though? No. It's, yeah. <laughs> no, never, never. That's why we like working on those days. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> How many guys in, on your are on the helicopter when you take off? Uh, there's only two on the outside. Uh, depending on the task, we might have uh, uh, another person inside that uh, either manages the tools, handing out equipment, right? Um, but nor- normally two. Somebody certified for safety, absolutely. First aid, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and in our ground crews, our ground support, we're not that far from from ground support. Everybody works together. There's a big team. Lots of meetings. The meetings start at six o'clock in the morning, and and the the flying doesn't start till uh, till nine. You know, we we well, we make I, a good plan. I um, I've never flown. Uh, I have a sensitive stomach, and I'm pretty much blind without my glasses. So, can I get a job as Absolutely. a helicopter pilot? Absolutely, a couple more of these, and <laughs> and I could be the co-pilot that screams in the back. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things, or the side, or whatever you put them. Because uh, well, safety, Steve, right? Being a commercial pilot, he's also built this uh, this this pretty intense flight simulator in his basement. So, one of these days, we are going to have kind of a helicopter versus airplane fight to the death simulator. To, to get that for the safety dads to see. I, I've never I've never been good at simulators. Things don't end well. 
But they end well when you fly in real life. In real real life, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty good at that. I got I got some good hours. There's a chance for us, Mike. There's there's a a flight simulator ladder. Simulator is not. Well, was he said that your your takeoffs have equaled your landings? Yeah, takeoffs and landings are are fairly equal. Some. (laughs) <laughs> rougher than others and and my passenger count is the same you know everybody yeah, that i've taken off from with uh you has returned yeah has yeah. returned and all so. the trophies to show for it i'm sure yeah right lots of hardware at home when yeah. they give you they present you the trophy every time you yeah land. good job Mitch. Yeah, yeah good work what's yeah. the what's the most amazing thing that you've seen from your helicopter that i've seen wow that's a long list it's all like like i started to mention earlier like i get i get to see canada like no other yeah um it's i uh that row of trees along the side of the Trans Canada, you know, I know, I know what's on the other side. <laughs> do you uh, still see a ton of wildlife, even though you're working? Like, do you see that in remote locations? I imagine, you, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Like northern BC, the goats, the elk, and oh uh, yeah, it, it's it's a amazing. bear eating the a goat. Bear. You ever see a bear eating like, a goat? Mitch I, does have a have. polar bear really? in his garage. <laughs> He's got a polar. Bear He's got a polar garage. bear in his garage. Her, her name is Misty. Yeah. <laughs> that was a rescue it was a rescue polar bear that's let's be specific here i've I've been fortunate enough to be up up on the side of the hudson's bay and watched herds of caribou with well over a thousand caribou and and the big males fighting and antlers locked and herds of timber wolves wow like seven eight ten timber wolves and and they we, we were performing other work but when you see them out the side and and the, the corner of your eye and you realize, wow, I, I think that timber wolf's like five foot high at the shoulders. Like it's, That's yeah, no, cool. we've been able yeah. to see some. Do you have video on the camera or on the uh, helicopter all the time? Most of that stuff was way before we were allowed to have camera. Like oh, okay. Before right now, cameras. are you always rigged with cameras now just for a, like for another safety aspect? Almost like having a dash cam in a cop car. Like are you supposed to have cameras on just to see if anything for accountability or does that even? No, we're, we're not. Matter. It's it's not um, with the small aircraft. It's not required. Okay. Um, it would be, it would, we use it for training. We have certain mounts that we're allowed to training, but uh, but you can't just put a camera on the outside of an aircraft. It all has to be certified. There's so many right. rules and regulations on what we're allowed to do. Yeah. I was just um, thinking you could pilot and take the camera and then pull like a Lauren Green's Wilderness and yeah. the field the, wild, the wildlife and get some of the most amazing shots. Like Mitch could just strap on a <laughs> GoPro or something. Yeah. Just add another job. Just yeah. Another job. No big deal. Is any anything anything um, untoward ever wandered into one of the camps? You know, like a like a grizzly or we've had. Uh, I did a lot of work up in uh, the Fort Liard area, and that was kind of unnerving out of the back of a uh, corner of your eye, and had a lot of large buffalo wander through. So that that, that was probably the the we that's that's funny when we um, I'm going to say oh eight or oh nine we were living in Winnipeg and we drove out to BC to Vancouver for my brother's wedding. And so we went down through the States and we, and we just took our time and we did some camping, not a big camper. It was, it had been the biggest drought for for, for decades in South Dakota. First day camping in South Dakota, pours, right? We pack up, we move into Yellowstone and we, we had it, we had a, a reservation for a campsite and we're checking in and the, the Yogi Bear guy was like, well, you're really in luck because you're camping right in the middle of a bison run. <laughs> like yeah. no no we're not yeah. and we checked into a hotel and it was the best decision i've ever made so i get you on the buffalo they're, and they're, they're they're really big yeah they're yeah like I've, I've worked around grizzly bears and seen wolves and coyotes and buffalo are big they're well i mean mark and i are both six four six five and there's some buffalo that are 
you know, they're, they're they weigh considerably more than I do. Were you, you going to say in a head to head? Yeah, I'm just saying height wise. Like we, we can look in a buffalo's eye, and that's that's a yeah, that's a big animal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially in the wild, like a lot of people don't understand. A lot of zoos, you know, there's a there's an issue with those animals in a zoo. You know, they're they're sick. They've been rescued. They've been. You don't see the big, majestic, yeah. healthy ones. You, you you get out into the bush and. You know, a big, healthy polar bear at eighteen. Well, I was going to ask you pounds when you were up in Churchill. Is, did you see polar bears? That was that was my business. We did. Um, I worked with Canadian Wildlife Services. I, I was so fortunate. I was I was a, a young pilot, and and to be out there working with archaeologists and and the fur trade and and the beginning of Canada's history and, yeah. and looking at all that, and then the next day I would go out with the leading scientists and uh, and be able to dart polar bears and help these guys. And, oh, that is amazing. And, uh, I thought I was kidding when I said you had a polar bear in your garage. But. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I uh, we, we used to, if, if you've seen it on TV, the polar bear jail. I, I've, uh, they would catch them in Churchill, Manitoba, and the, the problem bears, they would right. put them in jail. And then once the jail was full, we'd spend two days flying bears up the coast of the Hudson's Bay and we'd have amazing. the little ones in the backseat of the helicopter. Mitch, are you telling me that uh, the new series is going to be Polar Bear King? And it's going to be you? <laughs> no. No, I just dropped uh, him off. I was hey? just a taxi driver. We got to do it in Canada, <laughs> eh? We're going to do it a little bit well, better, who, eh? Who's uh, going to be Carol Baskin? <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's going to be Mitch. He's going to put a wig on. <laughs> no, no. Certain things, you know, I, I, I do have... I, Filters. It's, there's, there's, there's certain things that there's no do. filters on this podcast so so um, uh, whales belugas up there and, and, and when you're out in labrador you must have seen blues and yeah uh not in labrador like i say we we didn't get a lot of the i did see a puffin that was that was on on my on my yeah. list i needed to see a puffin but you can't see them from the air so we actually had to drive to see that the helicopter yeah, there's a i know in, in, in newfoundland they do they do boat tours obviously you go yeah. and see the whales the blue whales and there is oh there are i'm sure there are many but there's one specific that is um uh part of this regular tour and it's it's called puffin island and yeah. it's 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 amazing yeah so there's my, my boss gets really upset with me when i take the helicopter and go sightseeing <laughs> uh what about any randoms like random stuff that's happened either with the helicopter or things that you never were able to you would never have been able to foresee happening any scenarios that kind of caught you off guard like a solar flare perhaps maybe partly shut down the equipment i know that's not a thing but people yeah. are fearful of that um, no I've, I've, I've been pretty fortunate in my career I any think... scary any really scary circumstances that you know you, you remember that you, you yeah, you sound really safe, I mean, man. Well, it, it sounds it, like it you're is. doing it's, a great job. You know, you're kind of letting us, <laughs> kind of letting us down. We were, we <laughs> I'm still alive, and I'm almost fifty, so I must be doing something right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've been fortunate enough to work on three continents. I've been throughout the whole U.S. Uh, so a lot of our life is random. You know, you wake up one morning and it, it's just a phone call and. Uh, the industry's so small, but uh, you know, your old ops manager says, "Hey, you want to go to South America?" Yeah, I do. And like literally three weeks later, you're on a plane and and you're trying to get permits and unload a helicopter in the middle of the jungle in South America. And hey, you want to go to Africa? You ever been? It's like, um, sure, yeah, no, I'll go to Africa. And that's and, crazy. Yeah. So, any bucket list things for you that you need to do as part of the industry? I'm sure you have some life life things too, if you want to share. But as far as the industry goes, is there anything you, anywhere you want to go? Any places you need yeah. to see or Baffin Island, yeah. Baffin Island's on there. I've, I've I've done the Hudson's Bay. I've done all Labrador. Uh, Baffin Island's on there. When it's all said and done, and you hang up your you hang up your rotors, right? 
what's going to be the the number one thing that you look back and you say, man, that was, and again, this is, this is work specific, right? Yeah. And it's going to be like, man, that was, that was awesome. I'm glad I did that. There's been so much that's awesome. Um, the types of aircraft I've been able to fly uh, from small ones to, to heavy lift to the people, the places, the, I've been really fortunate. I had no idea, you know, when I woke up to get, and, and that morning and decided I'm going to be a helicopter pilot. I had no idea what it would bring me. Um, That's amazing. Probably has the same feeling as podcasting. Podcasting. Probably, it's probably the same. Yeah. That feeling when you get up in were, the morning, like, I never you, like, thought born in this room. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's all cleaned up but now. It, but, but we're still, we're, we're, we're still smiling. See we're, that bench back there? Yeah. Nobody knows what that bench is yeah. for. It still hasn't been explained. Yeah. No, apparently we're busted. <laughs> red, red velour. <laughs> Stuff up top. I was going to ask you one other question, Mitch. Uh, drone technology. Absolutely. So a couple of things have been uh, in, in the news lately about these, uh, they're drones now that can hold passengers. Yep. So, and I don't know how many of these are actually air uh, qualified or if they can actually do this legitimately, but there's been a couple of companies now that have done these. And I think some of them like have four, you don't call them, you don't call them, sorry, turbines or whatever the, the rotor system rotors. Yep. Right. So, but it, it flies like a drone yep. and it carries a passenger. Yep. What, where do you think that all that's going? Is that going to change the whole helicopter industry in regards to these? Do you think that there's going to be a big jump absolutely soon absolutely yeah i i personally will never get in one um i want to i want to see the whites of the guy's eyes and uh, yeah yeah (laughs) um but uh no it's changing we're embracing it uh we have a drone division uh, at our work Uh, we work closely with them it'll never replace that feel that you need but uh fly by wire uh, all the manufacturers are getting into it there's uh cayman there, there's all sorts of well er, every manufacturer out there has, okay has so everybody a, has yeah, an people, unmanned aircraft right people are seeing the potential for the technology yep. and and there is potential but it's you know from a to b you can do that if it's all right. a prepared area and a prepared site you can do that but for Right now, I mean, we, we still take the drone inside the helicopter. We fly out, we see what we need to see, and then we right. use that drone for the fine-tuning, you know. Is, is that actually what we're seeing? And he can hover up within inches of it with all the technology and get the pictures and the feel, but it's you, you'll never get rid of helicopters, but uh, right. but it's, yeah. Yeah, the one that I saw, it was, I think what they, the plan was to use it for emergency services. So the idea with, with this particular drone is that the wings would actually fold down, like you could actually get it into tight, spaces yep. and land it right and i mean i don't know if the articulation like how to maneuver an ele- a helicopter would be that much different than a drone and you'd obviously you know be able to provide the answer to that but i don't is there any way that a drone would be able to move more precisely than a helicopter absolutely with with technology with computers uh, and it's like anything you know when it messes up it me- it messes up but yeah. with, with technology they can see you know with lidar and and all these different cameras and lasers and systems they have that thing could land within inches of something well, but apparently not when you're flying it though on the drone because you said you're, you're well but, but, but it's, it's all computerized these yeah. drones like you, you can we, we've got one at work and the guys fly it directly out of tower at 70 miles an hour and this thing just stops itself like eight inches away from the tower crazy it's so so that that safety aspect but it's it's when that 
one loose wire that that'd be the yeah. one that yeah. i'm worried about <laughs> i had a drone once it was like 60 bucks <laughs> yeah. yeah before mark's dad yells at us because we're getting close to curfew we are just gonna uh wrap this episode up with mitch brown thanks so much mitch hey no problem okay guys it's 10 30 i told you get the hell out of here <laughs>that's a wrap folks the episode is brought to you by dorset knob productions also a thank you to mr steve gray who provided the audio editing and sound quality for this podcast and finally a big thank you to you our listeners for those of you who enjoyed this segment and need more absurd advice please check out our instagram page we would love to hear any comments feedback and topics that you guys would like to hear because every face needs a safe space take care of yourself everyone